0: tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees, the moon up above, and a thing called love. Let me tell you about the stars in the sky, the girl and the guy, and the way they could kiss on a night like- Isn't that a memory there? And good old Dean Martin and the Birds and the Bees. And you know what? I think that's something that we're going to talk about today. As we look out our windows and as we can see the sky is lightening up, is that a good word for it? Soft clouds, not thunderstorms. The snow is almost gone for the season and rain is going to be coming on our way and As soon as that's over, we're outside. We're planting in our gardens. We're potting our plants. We're listening to the birds and the buzz of the bees. And we know that spring is here. And that's what our guest is going to talk about. And I know you are aware of who this gentleman is, Mark Burroughs. He happens to be a gentleman who has brought to our community doors incredible chocolate. Welcome to the Coca Club, and that's pollinator chocolate. And I I really had hoped, and this is where we're going to go, Mark, we're going to talk about the birds and the bees and how we can help with the continuity of that life for our lives. Talk to us.
1: I'm not in charge of flowers or trees.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You mean Dean Martin got it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you can take the flowers and trees. I'll take the birds and the bees. How's that? Okay. Uh, Yeah. Pollinators are coming back soon. They're gonna be hatching out here very in the next few weeks it's warming up if you have bees if you're keeping bees at all um, you should see them coming out for cleaning flights because they don't defecate inside their little home they save it up till there's a nice warm day where they come out and they do what's called cleaning flights and they'll go outside and defecate and come back in so they don't have to clean up a that's the hive no one wants to do that i
0: i I can't imagine a bee just hanging out in the air and defecating dropping its leavings do they get on trees and do this do they get on the plants and oh yeah
1: oh yeah i used to have my beehive well i still do in one place and before the leaves came on the i had a big bush behind it and behind that was a parking lot for like two cars and my neighbor came over to me one day, and he's like, well, "I don't, what are all these yellow spots all over my car?" And it took me a little while to figure out. It's like, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> so yeah, it'll, yeah, it's noticeable, especially on snow or bright surfaces. That uh, plain surfaces, I should say. Okay. Model surface you can't see quite as much. It's just like little tiny specks. Looks like little bits of sugar, just yellow sugar everywhere. It's kind of kind of cool.
0: So it won't we,
1: harm your car by the way. <laughs> it, won't, it won't stain your car or your clothing or it's just it's pollen.
0: It's pollen.
1: Cuz that's their primary food.
0: Okay. Pollen. Bees. Uh there's bees, wasp, hornets, bumblebees.
1: Oh, there's 20,000 different types of bees just in the US alone. No. Yeah, sweat bees, minor bees, digging like they're all there's so many, so there's tens of thousands. That's just in the U.S. Un- <laughs> Fun fact: the honey bee is not native to the U.S. It is actually you could consider it an invasive species, but it's been here so, so long it's it's naturalized that nobody would ever think to call it that.
0: The honey bee doesn't sting, does it? Oh yeah, it does. Okay. Isn't there a bee that doesn't? That There's a bunch,
1: know? a lot of bees do not sting. Okay. Uh, I think this, I don't think the sweat bee does. I honestly don't, I've never paid attention to which ones don't. Um, we obviously pay attention to the ones that do.
0: Yes, of course. The honey
1: bee, the bumblebee, the, your humble, sweet little wasp, your your favorite little hornet. Those are all very good stingers.
0: Okay. Wasp. I think of a wasp nest up above outside on the eaves.
1: Yeah, there's paper wasps. There's also mud dauber wasps. You know, the ones you see underneath bridges and overpasses, those are usually mud daubers. Um, and they'll build nests under there. But the ones you see under your house typically are the paper wasp variety. That's what's most common around here, it seems. Okay. We don't have too many hornets. A lot, of, a lot of these creatures are ground dwellers. They live in the ground. Uh, Like the minor bee, for example, they live in nests underground. Bumblebees live in nests underground. Um, Very few of them live outside where they can be accessed like a paper wasp or the honeybee uh, doesn't like to be underground. They have been. You can find them underground, but it's very rare.
0: When we talk about honeybees, we're talking about a product that they produce— But there's also something that when I think about the bees in our world and I think how they propagate and how they spread across the plants, the flowers, uh, and how they contribute to our balance of nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we go across the U.S. and the fields Mm -hmm. where they're planting.
1: Yeah, without insects, we would have no crops. I mean... Some are was a third of it are wind pollinated, but the vast majority of crops that we are interested in are pollinator pollinated. There's another creature, a, th- a third party involved in the creation of the pollination of that to create apples or oranges or what have you um, and there's there's a lot there's a huge story behind that um, to go into a little bit more honeybees. Uh, compared to other species, are not great pollinators. Okay. But they're the only ones we pay attention to, so now who cares about all those other bees? They're just bees, whatever. But they do a much better job primarily because honeybees are European in origin, so they like the European plants. That's their favorite. If they can find a European plant that's non-native, they'll go to that first. But the native bees, they're going to go after the native plants and the, the European plants secondarily. So you can go to places in uh what's it what's the potato state idaho idaho um uh, just outside of boise if you go down the back where
0: my daughter lives are you listening karen
1: oh nice well maybe karen's seen these giant barns in the middle of fields and they're not barns like we think of barns that's where you store implements and tractors Mm -hmm. and machinery and like cows and horses and things uh they're their barns, and they're huge. They're like two or three stories tall by hundreds of feet long and wide, and they, they house specifically uh, a leafcutter bee that uh, is the best pollinator that they know of for potatoes and a lot of other crops like that.
0: Incredible. How- uh, so
1: the farmers build these structures just so they can keep those bees around because they're so critical in uh, maintaining the pollination of their plants. But they don't provide any of the benefits to, other than pollination. They don't make honey. They don't make wax. They don't produce a pollen. They, they're what we call honeybees we know to be social creatures uh, because they live in a, 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 a social environment, a community yeah. environment like humans. Uh, but most pollinators, most insects are not social. the except like bees, ants, ants. things like that. But uh, these particular bees are called solitary. And they live you know, the short of the story is uh starts with a bee. That bee leaves the nest, mates, goes out and uh, with leaves, cuts holes in leaves, brings those back to a space that's her home and then plants her embryo in there, then packs it with the leaves and then dies and then it starts all over again. So that's how that whole process is. Very short and one on one base it's it's hard to, kind of hard to describe, but um yeah, they, there's not a social social environment even though they're in giant barns where their your neighbor is inches away. Yeah. But they're not paying attention to them. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. That's that we're
0: aware of. So when we talk about bees pollinating uh, our world and in our oops. Away from the mic, I'm getting carried away. I'm getting my arms always. Calm down, Just Calm down. Bees and honey and chocolate. Yeah, yeah, chocolate. Why are you so interested in bees, and why do you know about bees like this? And what can I do in my garden, in my community? What can we do to help with the continuity? Of life
1: there's lots of things you can do Um to, to answer your first question I got into bees probably 12 13 years ago and my oldest child was interested in bees so sustainable settings up the highway I had a class on beekeeping so mm-hmm. I took her to that class she was 12 at the time I think maybe longer than that because she's like 27 now anyway she's young at the time and I dropped her out of the class and there's nothing but adults there so I got a little concerned, like that she would be pushed to the back, ignored, oh, child, like, but you don't have any real questions. Um, so I wanted to stick around to make sure she was going to be treated respectfully. And I ended up staying for the entire course because I just found it to be fascinating, uh, the whole story. And I went home that night and started doing some research online of like, what, what is this whole bee thing? I can, mm-hmm. What kind of a house do you use? Like where, to, mm-hmm. where do you even get a beehive? And then what do you do when you get that? And it's like all the steps. Where do you get bees? Where How do you start? Where does that even happen? So I started going down that rabbit hole, getting more and more information, figured out how to build a hive, built my own hive just from scrap lumber I found lying around because I was super broke at the time. And I just like pallets and scrap wood that people are throwing out. And build a hive, and a friend of mine is going to Denver and picked up some bees for me down there that I found out about, and got my first package of bees. Uh, it's about a package is about twenty thousand, ten to twenty thousand bees <laughs> in a single package.
0: In a single, how big was the package?
1: Um, like the size of a small pillow. It's it's not large at all. Okay. Bees are very tiny. So you yeah. Can, the. Th- the typical beehive in the height of season, like when they are the greatest population, is around 80,000 bees. But they're dying every – there's thousands dying every day and thousands more being born right. every day. So there's right. a constant it's balance. ebb and flow of how yeah. that even works out. Yeah. So that's how I got into beekeeping. I just fascinated with it. And then to the level of expertise I have now, I got – went down the rabbit hole a little bit further and through the University of Montana was offering a master beekeeping program. So I spent my summer studying that and got went through the whole classification process and got my master's in beekeeping from the University of Montana which was very cool. I learned so much. I've I've never had a class where one of the requirements was where you had to buy a microscope and then you had to go and like find the different things and pick out diseases on the bees and Find out that oh, bees have diseases. There are a lot of them. And they can be a very delicate creature, but they're a very hardy creature too. Like you can decimate an entire hive, but they come back very rapidly in the fall. So we've spoken a lot or we've heard a lot about the dying of the bees and the bees are going to die. And it's I have a hard time seeing that really happening because they come back so well. They're really okay. good at coming back. yes. They die off very easily through pesticides, fungicides. Um, Climate change does affect them. How much moisture they're getting, how much moisture they're not getting, how cold it is out, how warm it is out. There's all these things affect them, just like it does everybody. But they're in a very micro-species, so they are affected by this much more than we are because we can weather it. We Mm -hmm. have a house to go Mm -hmm. into. They've got Mm -hmm. a tree or a house that we built for them, and it's okay, but – they're very susceptible to diseases because they live within their immune system. And we can go that's a whole another rabbit hole, but
0: So he goes down the rabbit hole a lot. There's a lot of he? rabbit holes in bees. And bee-been. he doesn't have a hat on either. <laughs> um,
1: I don't have any hair either.
0: <laughs> so bees. Important. I'm gonna plant a garden. Right. I'm gonna plant flowers. Is it time seedlings? What do we get?
1: Um, you know, I'm not a grower. I'm not a planter. I don't play one on TV. But um, the best thing I can suggest is find out. So I want to go back a little bit to what I talked about: being bees not being very great pollinators, and other the native species are better pollinators. So it depends on what you're looking for. If you want to help the honeybees, then Plant European-style flowers. If you want to help the the local native population, and I'll give you a reason why that should be paramount for you here in a second, then plant native plants that are bee-friendly. There's a lot of them out there, and they're gorgeous. Bee balm is one. I love bee balm. And the native plants are more adaptable to our environment. Mm -hmm. They are easier... Mm -hmm to care for because mm-hmm. they're used to this high dry climate. You can go on the USDA and find out what area we live in, what climate we have cl- typically, and then it'll tell you like what cl- what zone we're in. And you can figure out and you can talk to any anybody who's into horticulture or planting of any sort knows what zone we're in. I forget what it is. I think zone 4 or 5, I forget. But that particular, this particular zone is good for a specific subset of plants Um, and we want the plants that are going to do best in our zone but we also want plants that are good for bees so there's other websites out that you can find out Uh, you can just google uh, best plants for bees in zone 4 say for example Mm -hmm. and you're going to get back multiple websites Mm that will give you a bunch of plants Mm -hmm. that are hardy and good for this environment drought resistant is key for Colorado because we live in the high desert and they, you want them to produce prodigious amounts of pollen and nectar okay. to take care of our local insect pollinator population. Not just a honeybee, but all the native ones as well.
0: Wow. Uh, just a reminder, this is Senior Matters, and I'm Diane Johnson. And our guest today is Mark Burrows. He is going to help get us the best chocolate we've had in a long time. He's got a new, wonderful store here in Carbondale called the Cocoa Club, and uh, pollinator chocolate, and Bruce makes, in fact, your crew makes the chocolate. I remember going by the windows in that wonderful shop and watching your staff. Do the work. You also had your hands in there when I walked in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Bruce's hands in there, do you know he was part of and K years ago and Geek Speak. Mark. Mark. Bruce. Say, who's Bruce this Bruce, Bruce fellow? You got a I, date?
1: Sh- I don't know about. Sh- who's, sh- is that your sh- boyfriend? Sh- what? Yeah. You cheating on me?
0: D- honey, <laughs> Bruce, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's... <laughs> Yeah I I'm just tickled pink about the business you've brought to the community but for me specifically um the pollinator the bees you know keeping the grains growing keeping the flowers blooming um the bees a t- tiny little creature in our life and how vitally important
1: and very delicate
0: important and delicate um so plants when we talk about plants you did mention going to google and i also thought we've got a great nursery down in basalt area
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and yeah go talk to any of the nursery people around ask them what's good for the bees and what's good for this area this zone and they will hook you up yeah Uh, Any nursery person worth their salt will have all those answers on the tip of the tongue.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because they use, in a lot of cases, they'll use uh, pollinators themselves if they're growing tomatoes, for example. Bumblebees are known for pollinating tomatoes. Amazing. Weird symbiotic relationship where bumblebees vibrate at a very specific frequency that tomato plants... Resonate with. And so when the bumblebee gets into the tomato plant to get the nectar, it's vibrating and the pollen will fall off and gather at that point, but it only releases that with the frequency that a bumblebee makes when it's flying around. Other pollinators don't have that, don't create that. So bumblebees are important for
0: tomatoes. I, t- tomatoes, I love them. Uh, I remember watching the bees on the big sunflowers. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the center of that sunflower, just dusting himself with that pollen. Mm-hmm. What kind of bee was that?
1: Oh, gosh, I don't know. Here. Uh, it, there's so many, if the pollen's easy and accessible, uh, you're going to get every pollinator in the world after it, you know, everything from a midge to a bat. I mean, it's like everything in between. Bats are pollinators, typically of cactus, uh, midge. Uh, there's a creature called in South American countries in Africa called the chocolate midge, and they're the one of the few creatures that actually pollinates uh the cacao tree the bat no, the chocolate midge, oh because the flower is so tiny, no other pollinator can get into the flower. you need a midge, something that's so tiny you can almost not even see it because the flower is so small
0: I just I'm amazed. You know, I know insects, billions and zillions all over the world, and these wonderful creatures, the bees, are so important to us. Yeah. They help stave disease because of the food sweet. eat.
1: Yeah, something else is important, too, for... Those that are planting and they want to plant flowers and they want to help the pollinators, they just want to have a beautiful garden. Uh, keep in mind, um, a lot of these creatures, these tiny insects, live within the stalks of the dead plant after it's, it's ended its life in the fall. So if you can, uh, wait until spring to clean up your garden to get rid of all the the dead growing things it's better to do that then because that's home for a lot of creatures they live inside there's tiny little creatures they'll lay their eggs on there or they'll live themselves and winter over inside the stalks of a lot of the wow. i don't i don't even know what the plants are just the different kinds of stalky plants that have uh, like usually a pith inside that they can dig into like a hollow stem type thing so you if you can wait till the spring to do that, when the pollinators have already come out, that's ideal, and you can help the population just by doing something simple like that, mm-hmm. and planting local native flowers and pollinated things. You know you can always throw in some European stuff if, if you want. That's fine, but it's really the local native population that they're the the kick-ass pollinators around here.
0: Pollinators would uh, hummingbirds. Dragonflies. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I uh-huh. mean, yeah. um, anything,
1: any creature that can get into an area where there's pollen and is spread it around, and possibly take that to another creature of the same species, you can call a pollinator. You could. If you wanted to, you could call a bear a pollinator if he's going to go eat a bunch, of, you know, walk through a bunch of flowers, for yeah. example. Because yeah. just walking through the flowers, he's going to brush off, pollen's going to brush off on him. It's going to get onto the anthers of another pollinator. It's like there's a lot of pollinators out there, but the ones that are really interested in are the insects. Uh, that's their specific job, is to go in and find the nectar, and they're inside collecting very minute particles of pollen and then spreading it directly to the same flowers because another weird interesting fact is especially with bees i can't speak to the other species but with honeybees, if there is a bloom in in session for example say it's marigold and the marigolds are out and then something else comes up something else comes up something else comes up they're going to go with a marigold bloom until it's kind of done, and then they'll switch to another one. So they're not going from a, pretty much from a marigold to another flower to another flower to another flower. They're going to stick within the same one. Mm-hmm. And you can see this a lot if you pull the beehive apart. You, can, you They pack the pollen into the cells, and you can see the bands of color within the cells red, blues, greens, oranges, yellows of the different color pollen based on the plant it came from. So you can identify what the bees are actually accessing based on the pollen or at least on the color of the pollen you can google pollen color chart on the web and it'll give you what plant produces what color pollen if you're really cu- curious
0: yeah yeah i honey
1: love it yeah do you have any
0: i have
1: uh, no i mean right now
0: at home no yeah.
1: right now i want some right now
0: <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm going to go across the other (laughs) room to the other room where he is. Um, Oh, that's nice.
1: I got it. I got it. Here, stay on your
0: mic. I want to do something real quick. We don't have a lot of time. I brought Mark's uh, menu. And... I do, do you mind if I read this? No, go ahead. Okay, he's not going to talk. I'm going to briefly talk. And his menu, Welcome to Cocoa Club, and he says, Fall in love with chocolate the way we did by savoring it slowly. Okay, and here's what. A little bio is. Mark Burroughs, inspired by the harmony he witnessed in his passions for beekeeping, pollinators, and chocolate, created Pollinator Chocolate in 2019. That's not too long ago. Our focus is handcrafting single origin cocoa from farm to bar using organic ingredients creating relationships and community that last while promoting respect and connection from farmer to consumer broadcast coffee has an eth- ethos ethos i think is correct ethos broadcast coffee has an ethos complementary to our own which we value highly In our partnership, Broadcast Coffee, who is that?
1: It's a medium-sized coffee roaster out of Seattle.
0: Okay, okay. Some good coffees. Uh, Broadcast is committed to spreading love and acceptance through great coffee and hospitality. They source boutique coffees from family farms and cooperatives. They purchase coffee equitably and, like us, value building relationships over profit. I love it. I love it. They purchase coffee equitably and, like us, value building relationships over profit. Katie and Kaye. Welcome to the KDNK Club and the Cocoa Club here in Carbondale. This is Diane Johnson signing off. Mark. Ciao. Ciao, ciao.